Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Podcast Network Asia. Maybe I'll provide some principles that, that you know will preview for what, what goes into your class. But really, if there's key things that you want people to know, what are they about them? That's very important for them. Yeah, um, you should know more about Web three because um, num- number one, it's the closest thing to ownership that we have in, in the internet because it's really um, you, you really get not just to rent platforms or interact with one another. This is where you you're basically acquiring properties in the internet and we all know that the internet is the future that we're heading i mean we're, we're in a digital economy now um second it's also about decentralization um uh, the, the difference between making crypto payments or, or crypto transfers between bank transfers is that bank transfers approve crypto transfers confirm those are two different things No? So, of course, as business owners, executives, we, we love equity, we love ownership. Most importantly, we love to be able to pivot when you want to. So, if, if you're after that, then maybe you should start learning about Web3. And good evening, good afternoon, good morning to wherever you are watching here in the Philippines and all over the world. And welcome to my podcast The RJ Ledesma Podcast. Now, here on my podcast, I like to interview the country's trailblazing and pioneering business personalities and entrepreneurs to learn more about how they think about doing business. What are their success secrets? Are they willing to share that with us? How have they innovated, pivoted, evolved their businesses during the pandemic? And more importantly, what business opportunities do they see emerging in this new new normal scenario. Now, is there a business personality or entrepreneur that you would like me to interview here on the program, on the podcast? Please let me know. I would love to love, love to have them over here. I would love to learn from them. Just drop us a message. I'd also like to let all of you know we are live also as well on YouTube and Kumu. Tonight, I have a very interesting individual joining here in the show. I've actually reconnected with him during the Globe uh, Gcash Futurecast event. And he is one of the suppliers of the whole Gcash ecosystem, which makes him a very, very interesting individual to the value added that he brings uh, to the Gcash equation. Tonight, we've got one of the co-founders of Bitsquela, JC Macarintal. Now, Bitsquela is a Web3 edutech company that helps Filipinos own a piece of the internet. Very interesting. They provide educational engagements, consultations, and learning hub management to onboard organizations and enterprises into Web3. To date, they've got about 40 million Filipinos where they reached, reached rather for Web3 educational campaigns and endeavors, and they've onboarded Gcash as their Web3 education partner. They've been featured on CNN, Esquire, Bitcoin Magazine, NASDAQ, Yahoo Finance, Pedax, and at the same time, we're also going to talk to JC as an entrepreneur himself. He's a venture developer, community builder, and content manager for massive entrepreneurs and companies in the Philippines. You might not know it, but maybe your favorite influencer, your favorite company, his business, or rather his content is being managed through JC and his virtual agencies. So with that, please welcome my good friend here right now, JC Makalintal. JC, right. welcome, welcome to the show. Really great to see you over here. Right. Thank you so much for that warm welcome, RJ. And is one of my dreams to be part of the RJ Ledesma podcast. So glad to be here and share my story and add value to the listeners that we have. Thanks for having me. And I'm sure you'll add a lot of value here tonight, JC. And I think the most important question for us to ask una una no, is, is a bit squela. I mean, I was briefly describing it here in my intro of you. But tell me a bit more. Um, 
just what we, what we often call the show the elevator pitch. You know, when you were pitching the show to to, to Gcash or they were pitching the uh, the, the the app to uh, Gcash, they might not, they weren't sure it was. What was your pitch to Gcash about uh, what Bitsquela is all about? You see, um, our, our pitch is that billions in 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 pesos and dollars are constantly being lost in the Web3 ecosystem simply because people don't understand the technology yet or simply because they're not educated enough. Now, that problem comes into play when decision makers and from different enterprises and government officials are not well aware of the limits of Web3 and what it can do. Now, with Bitsquela in mind, we help Filipinos own a piece of the internet by helping decision makers, enterprise owners, basically the people who decide for organizations understand how they could bring their web to business towards Web3. And since then, uh, RJ, we've, we, we have been the formal Web3 learning partner of Gcash for Gcrypto. And uh, basically, our tagline, helping Filipinos own a piece of the internet, is basically helping people understand, okay, this is what you can do in Web2. Now, how can you do that in Web3, both as a business and as an individual? Got that. Now, let's unpack a couple of things over there, JC, because uh, there are people here extremely literate when it comes to Web3 and crypto. And there are people who are just saying, I don't even know what Web1 is. So can you help us get a better understanding, uh, just so that we're on the same page? What exactly is Web, Web2, and Web3? So we know where we are, why it's so important to know about this. Of course. And um, the, the good thing about Web3 is that, in, in simpler terms, it's just proof of evolving consumer behavior so it evolved from web 1 to web 2 to web 3 but what is exactly web 1 san ba to talaga nagsimula mm-hmm. and web 1 actually started when the internet came, came through and an example of web 1 is wikipedia a page where you could only read right we can we can only scroll through wikipedia we can only read but we cannot interact can comment there's no way shape or form for us to like react or whatnot that's web 1 everything is about reading Web 2, on the other hand, is about reading and writing. This is where we interact with one another, comment with one another, similar to what we're doing here. We're in, uh, we're in Facebook right now. We're live now. That's Web 2. We're able to interact with one another. In other words, we're able to read and write. Now, for the past years, here's the interesting part, RJ. For the past years, decades, and, and arguably centuries, we've been building brands across the World Wide Web. Now, Across the World Wide Web, we're only reading and writing, say, for example, the RJ Ledesma podcast has 3,000 followers, or, uh, or for example, big, big brands such as, um, I don't know, influencers or celebrities who have 1 million followers and above. Now, the big problem here is that what we produce in Web 2, we don't actually own them. So no matter how many millions of followers that we have, no matter how big the platform that we have, we're actually just renting from these big internet enterprises. That's when the idea of Web3 came to be. Why not, if there was a place in the internet, why not if we could read, write, and most importantly, own a piece of the internet? So that's what Web3 is. It's about owning a piece of the internet. Not just reading and writing, but actually owning. And that, that's NFTs, that's cryptocurrencies, that's decentralized finance. And a lot of them are simply because evolving consumer behavior. People are beginning to understand the importance of having to own a piece of the internet, just like we want to own our properties, our houses, our money, etc. So that's how Web3 came to be. Okay. And now tell me exactly the pain point that led you to developing Bitsquela. But more importantly, I mean, the way that I see it right now is Bitsquela, it's a great advocacy. But is it more of an advocacy or is Bitsquela also a business that makes money? I yeah. hear where I'm coming from, uh, from my perspective. Yeah, and, and no worries, RJ. This is one of the uh, this is always one of the questions that, that we get asked. How does actually Bitsquela make money? And the answer is we we are the official um, educational partners of the biggest companies and enterprises here in the Philippines. Um, so we're we're actually both consultants and education providers and education managers. So we work with enterprises for that. Now um, with the way that Bitsquela is structured, uh, th- that's what we do. We, we work with decision makers as either consultants or education providers. So how we are, how our business model works, uh, we provide 
curriculums and learning hub management um similar to what we're doing with um what what we're, what we're building in terms of uh web3 education for example a course what are what are nfts and then we license them for 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 a particular enterprise or a company so so um that's how the entire advocacy works because i understand you know um um some people think that it's sort of an advocacy but um we also have services management services that we're providing to our clients people who want to join from web2 to web3 especially businesses who want to pivot towards crypto so i'm i'm trying to appreciate so that that means that the pain point which you saw was that many people just regular people or even companies didn't know how to shift people to better understand what web3 was all about from web2 what put you guys in that ideal position kumbaga what was the secret sauce or give you the advantage to say na kami yung mas magaling magturo ng web3 or kami may advantage magturo ng paano pumasok sa web3 in this among uh you know other people because if you think about it if you don't mind me asking i mean you guys are of course only the younger ones like yeah, yourselves yeah yeah you can understand it much better than probably me uh who comes from from gen x no but what what made you guys best suited i guess to 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 launch this one when you were when you were trying to offer your services yeah that that's a really great question rj because bitcoin just turned one uh it, it was our first so anniversary of course yeah, yeah. Thank you so much, RJ. And and that's a question that we always get. In in fact, that's part of our deck now. Actually, the way that we introduce our team and uh, what makes us really different. What what helped us? You know, you might be interested. Oh, but kaya napili ng ng Gcash for for their Web3 education and the first. And and the answer is, it is a requirement. Um, it is our requirement in our team that uh, that you have an education experience. Like you, you should have. Thought one way or another, and of course, dapat meron kang web three experience for the past years. Um, I I'd say um RJ, what helped us close these deals and and this positioning is how heavily involved we are when it comes to um education and web three. Because the entire CISU team of Bitsquela, um, though we're young, uh, I'm 20 years old, so we've worked with a lot of um a lot of companies from web two, and we were able to transfer our results and portfolio towards web three. Now, um, personally, with 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 the entire team's experience combined, I think we have more than um, 25 years of combined experience in Web3 um, in different niches. Um, I think Jiro is also watching our CEO, um, so he, he's the one who basically led us through this. And it's just a combination of having the right people with the right skill set and experience, which helped us close it. Because back then, when we started, when Jiro started Bitsquela, because I came in co-founder. A little bit later, um, we were the only ones who were actually doing this right, the Web3 education. Um, and then players came in, but when 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 the new players came in, we, we had already we, we were already doing talks, Web3 talks in partnership with Globe already by that time. Um, so there you go, timing and positioning. Hello, I, is it Giros? Is that your co-founder, Giros Matamba? Huh? Yep, Giro Reyes. Yeah. Jiro, how are you? How are you, Jiro? If you're right to listening, shout out to you and to uh, for, for helping co-found this one. What was the pain point that initially pushed Jiro's to to start doing this business? I'm curious. Oh, yeah. Um, what what initially made him um, uh, what was the what made him go through this was his story of um how he was eating shomai uh, one time while while he was in 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 university. I think he was still in college there. We've talked about this a lot of times in in, in a lot of podcasts. How we got into Web three, and by that time, I think he was finding other side hustles, mm-hmm. and that's where he got into crypto and Web three. Now, initially, he also thought it was a scam, and that's the problem with with Web three is is that people don't understand what it could do, and if people do understand what it can possibly do, they don't understand the limits of of the technology. So, what what Jira did is he initially built different groups. Where where he would be educating people. Okay, this is what Bitcoin does. This is what cryptocurrency is. This is what Web three is. And then over time, it boomed to to an advocacy. So it was an advocacy organization first, and then we became a Web three edutech company when we saw that my God, guys, there is really a pain point in the space where decision makers want to join Web three. They want to build companies in Web three, but they don't know how to pivot properly. And that's where we came in: education, education, consulting, and upscaling. For Web three as well, got that. So it's technically not, it's not structured like a startup, but more like a sort of an educational consultancy slash advocacy. 
Exactly. Yeah, so it's more of a startup and an agency at the same time, an educational agency. I see. Because that, that, that just means that moving forward, the way that the organization will grow is not the same way that an app will grow because it's meant to exactly. be really a consultancy agency to help people with their skill sets is that, or, or help companies uh, adjust to the new skill sets that they need to be part of Web3. Am I correct? Yep. Okay. Now, now let's go, go into this a bit more. I was thinking, you were saying that... Um, what people don't realize is what it can possibly do. If, you know, we're talking here right now to different, you know, let's say people uh, my age are the decision makers in companies. And although they've come across it a bit, uh, Web3 and NFTs and, and crypto and all these different things, and you say what it can possibly do. And many of them are, you know, still very much part of the regular uh, economy, right? Help me better understand how do you convince people to say, not to leave it, but what it can possibly do if they better understand Web3. What can it possibly do for their businesses if they understand it much better? Exactly. And um, I guess one word one word to, to place it, like what separates um, a Web3 educated executive versus mm -hmm. a non-Web3 educated executive is that you're positioned for the future and you learn how to build the company independently, decentralized way. Why is that? Um, it's because, for example, one of the use cases that we have for Web3, of course, cryptocurrencies. Um, uh, I, I know a lot of executives here that are listening, we're usually dealing with contracts, um, service fees, right? And one, of the, and one of the pain points, especially since, I mean, we're running our own companies, we want to be able to maximize revenue per square inch of our companies and get things done fast, right? And um, sometimes banks just can't cut it. Like, you, you have to... You have to uh, wait for their permission for, for say, a seven-figure transfer. It takes a while for that to happen. Uh, for example, if, if you're going to invoice someone from PayPal, it, it, it's a lot of a lot of, of the percentages uh, are, are being cut. So you're not getting it. Number one, you're getting it slow. Number, number two, it's not going to arrive to you in full, right? So another case study of that is cryptocurrencies. Like, you can easily transfer seven, to, um, seven figures or, or any figure th that you want um, through cryptocurrency in just basically a step of a finger or seconds without need without having your banks basically approve it. Um, so it, it makes global transactions or big scale transactions easier and and um and and um more executable if that makes sense. But there are also other use cases. For example, or uh, NFTs. Basically, these are dig digital collectibles. Um, a good case study here is what Pidax did lately. Um, with their with their NFT platform, where the, I think their their the Pimbo tickets were being sold as digital collectibles or as NFTs. Um, so if you bought an NFT, you 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 got access to watching the entire show and whatnot. So there's actually a lot of use cases. But the the problem here, RJ, and this is the struggle in Web three education, it's that since there are different use cases, there are different technologies because. In Web2, there's Facebook, there's Twitter, there's TikTok, other apps and platforms, right? It's also the same with Web3. There's lots and lots of text and application. Now, the problem here is, first, Web3, uh, before diving into Web3, people first have to understand, okay, uh, for example, payment gateways. If there's a version of that in Web2, is, is there an equivalent, better version of that in Web3? Because that's usually where the problem kicks in. Okay, this is the business model in Web2. Now, how can we translate that into Web3? And for, for the past months or, or, or year, rather, at Bitscuela, that we're talking to a lot of CEOs and companies who have consulted us, okay, how, how can I do this in Web3? A lot of them think that um, the, the, the Web3 technology is just magic, you know, that it can do anything, that it can automate anything. But um, ultimately, it's just decentralization, really, about Web3. So it's, it's a matter of understanding the business model first, and still, the same business method, finding if it's actually reasonable or if there's really a rationale to build your company in Web3. Because I'll be honest with you, not all companies can build in Web3. What's an example? Um, like what, Web3 or the cryptocurrency industry is actually um, fighting you know, uh, fighting the, uh, how, do I, how do I say this, the remittance industry. Because they're, they're conflicting. So it's still a matter of understanding first what you do in Web2 and understanding if there's a better business model that you can implement in Web3. And that's what we do, um, executive education. And speaking of executive education, let's, now let's look at companies. What, 
in your own experience from the companies that you've consulted, what are the type of companies that are prime that 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 you know that that are logically the best suited to enter into Web three, and what are the processes in companies that are best suited to be to evolve into a Web three experience? Mm, I, I I love this. Um, actually, there there are a lot of um, a lot of use cases I have on my mind, but um, let's be general for now. As long as you're a company that takes in payments, you can benefit in Web3. Why? Cryptocurrency. Because uh, we all know that if you have more payment methods, you can reach more customers, right? So for me, it's really a no-brainer to take payments in Bitcoin, Ethereum, or other cryptocurrencies, which are being done by our friends in Pouch, in Boracay. Um, if you've been in Boracay, um, there, there's an entire Bitcoin island there um, th that that basically takes payment in Bitcoin, yeah. and um, what 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 has that done for their business? Tourists all around the world, they don't need to cash out fiat or, or Philippine peso anymore. Through cryptocurrencies, when they travel, they're, they're just paying crypto. No need to to, to transfer anything. So as, as long as you're taking in payments, which I think all businesses are, right? They're they're, they're accepting payments, then. There's there's a benefit for you uh, in Web your crypto. Another case, another use case that we've seen applied over and over and over again. NFTs are digital collectibles. Um, how does this manifest as memberships? Say for example, we recently did um in GCash the House of Ulala NFT collection that we launched. Uh, basically that NFT grants you access to be part of a community of Rin Barrera, a legendary artist, which Host painting basically sells two thousand dollars upwards, um, and and he has one to two years of waiting list. But with NFTs, you can easily own a piece of his art for just a fraction of that amount. So, a lot of technologies available here, RJ. But as as long as you're a business, then I'd say uh, the first step that we recommend is accepting more payment gateways, which is crypto. And how we how we help them get there is, of course, we build a wallet address for their company. Um, we help them build invoices, stuff like that. So it's still the same um, Web2 processes, just in a, using a different technology. Okay. Um, the, other, the other point, I guess, is the dark side or about oh, the yeah. red flags that people see when it comes to this one, especially when it comes to Web3. Because like I said, I guess for the younger set that you educate, they understand these things more intuitively than I guess people my age and older might understand seeing the red flags when it comes to engaging in Web3 as, as commerce, you know, particularly in the ones of commerce. What are the red flags uh, that people should watch out for or businessmen should watch out for when it comes to trying to do business on the Web3 platform, whether it's scammers, whether it's technology or whatever else, what should they watch out for? Uh, I love this question because this is one of the things that we that we always advocate for. Uh, but before I name out a few red flags at that, um, in general, um, businessmen, retailers, people who want to get into Web3 should watch out for. Uh, I want to say first that um, you know th there's a common misconception that Web3 is uh, Web3 is a scam, and it's it's not a scam if if you would really view the technology. But there there are definitely scammers. Those are two different things. Now the argument there is that now, now the argument then is Okay, then why is it that it looks like there are more scams in Web3 than there are in Web2? And I have this answer. It's, it's, simply, because, um, um, it's simply because people don't understand the technology yet. And that's why they're prone to being more scammed. Now, mm -hmm. the thing is, um, when it comes to scams, um, there are also scammers in Web2. And mm -hmm. these same scammers are the same ones that are scamming in Web3. Ah. And how do they do that? Uh, for example, if you don't understand real estate, um, somebody can scam you in real estate, right? Like uh, give you obnoxious amount of investment terms with, 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 long, with, with, with long payment options, etc. So it's the same principle. Now, here are the things that you have to watch out for when it comes to red flags in the Web3 space. Number one, guarantees. Because if, if, if a project is guaranteeing you X amount of yield or X amount of profit on a day-to-day -day basis, that's one of the red flags. Why? Because crypto or Web3 in general is a new space, and therefore, since it's new, it's really, really, really volatile. 
you know, there's there's a joke in, in, in the Web3 space, RJ, that if you don't know what Web3 is or if you haven't done your research yet uh, and you want to get into crypto and you have the choice between entering the market in crypto or sabong, mas better yung chances sa sabong kesa, <laughs> kesa pumasok sa crypto. Because why? If you enter the wrong way, chances are seconds after you'll be liquidated. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if you know how to enter, if you know the technology behind the different coins or tokens th- that you're researching, then the same can also apply. So guarantees uh, are something to watch out for since it's a really, really volatile space. Great. Okay. Um, now, we see the red flags that we're seeing, and you are into education. So maybe a bit of a crash course, yes, maybe. What do you just want executives to know? Or, or, or basically business people to know when it comes to Web3. Maybe I'll provide some principles that, that you know, they'll preview what, what goes into your class. But really, if there's key things that you want people to know, what are they about Web3 that's very important for them? Yeah, um, you should know more about Web3 because, um, num- number one, it's the closest thing to ownership that we have in, in the internet because it's really... Um, you, you really get not just to rent platforms or interact with one another. This is where you, you're basically acquiring properties in the internet. And we all know that the internet is the future that we're heading. I mean, we're, we're in a digital economy now. Um, second, it's also about decentralization. Um, uh, the, the difference between making crypto payments or, or crypto transfers between bank transfers is that bank transfers approve. Crypto transfers confirm. Those are two different things. No? So, of course, as business owners, executives, we, we love equity. We love ownership. Most importantly, we love to be able to pivot when we want to. So, if, if you're after that, then maybe you should start learning about Web3 at www.bitscola.com. We, uh, we actually have a lot of courses available now about blockchain fundamentals, NFT fundamentals. So, um, and those are for free on our website. Okay, let me put that. Let me put out your website. It's www.bitsquela.com. So again, Jasper, if you're there, my producer, if you can flash that on the screen, so those who want to uh, get a free class from Bitsquela, they know what to do. Um, are there? These are, so all the courses that you have for Bitsquela are are all online, or are there also face-to-face classes for uh, Bitsquela? Yeah, for now, all of them are online, but we also have our own community where we do give daily updates and weekly newsletters. So that's uh, Crypto Education Philippines uh, by Bitsuela community on Facebook. If you want to know more about the space and industry news, you can also go there. Got that, got that. Now, um, in terms of, you know, we're always talking to entrepreneurs here right now. And, and because of what you're doing in Bitsuela and with NFTs and with crypto, you're seeing that there's a lot of opportunities emerging, uh, particularly in, in these different fields and niches, what are you seeing as opportunities still for entrepreneurs within that space? And it's very, it's very big, but right now, for especially if you're a Pinoy uh, entrepreneur. Yeah. Um, in, in what terms? Well, what, are there new businesses or new business ventures that they can come up with or business opportunities that you are seeing that you're saying, yeah. ah, this part is still very... Uh, it's still a very gray space or very white space. So I think that you can still, there's an opportunity to grow business in this area. Yeah. Um, personally, um, I think the industries that are about to blow up in the next years um, are, um, I think I, I have three on my list right now. It's um, number one, of course, content, uh, media companies who are, who are taking the internet by storm. Cause if you have a follower, if you have a community, um, you can basically sell and scale anything. Uh, that, that's the power of, of of building a personal brand or, or a personal media brand. Um, second thing is, of course, e-commerce is still at play. I mean, um, aside aside from aside from um, from our internet activities as Filipinos, what else do we love? You know, buying. <laughs> that's why a lot of e-commerce companies are still scaling right now. And then, of course, third, Web three and crypto. Um, uh, the Philippines is. Um, one of the best when it comes to Web3 adoption around the world. And the interesting part here, RJ, is that only, I think officially, only um, 8% of the world is in, is in Web3 right now. So versus other technologies, we are still very, 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 very early. Now, um, a, a lot of, of people around the world still don't know 
or if, or even if they know they are part of Web3 yet, they aren't participating yet. So there's still opportunity for for Web3, um, especially um, in, in, in the lots of different emerging technologies that we have now. And the good thing here, RJ, when it comes to Web3 and crypto is that even enterprises are pivoting towards Web3. PayPal is, is implementing crypto payment options. A MasterCard mm. is also about to implement crypto payment options. Even Gcash now has uh, as um, Gcrypto. So we're, we're, we're witnessing massive uh, massive adoption happening in our own eyes, driven by enterprises with, with millions and millions of user bases. But the thing is, even though these enterprises have those features or apps, people aren't still participating yet. Now, why is that? Web3 education. That's why we exist. Got that, got that. Really good opportunities and very insightful ones at that, JC. Uh, if you just don't mind, I want to ask a bit more about e-commerce. Um, sure. Where is it good to play in the e-commerce game right now? I mean, there's two. Of course, to be a platform, which is which is a bit of a challenge right now because the platforms are filled. There's uh, Competition is fierce. Where can entrepreneurs still leverage playing in e-commerce where, they, yeah. where there's still opportunity? I, I'm saying this both as a venture developer and a marketer, the TikTok product market is crazy like like how, how it's grown for the past months really really grown very 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 fast but i think um profit margin plays and um and e and e-commerce ventures um alone if we're going to isolate it i think our friends in the drop shipping uh drop shipping um liquidating and then live selling uh, are 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 winning you know the, the people who are acquiring um, supplies of of goods in 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 liquid in liquidation pricing, and then you have different live sellers to sell those for you. The profit margins are really really great in in, in that venture. And, and I think you know who I'm talking about. Um, uh, see, uh, one of the best examples here is Carlo, Carlosito. I think one of our he's one of our friends in in, in Facebook is 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 doing that exact business model right now. Oh, fantastic! So really, really a lot of great opportunities we're seeing emerging over here. Uh, and thanks so much for explaining a bit more about Bitscuela. Again, for those who want to check out Bitscuela in the different classes, again, you can visit www.bitscuela.com. -E now, for the second part of this program, I actually wanted to talk to you more also as JC Makalental, the, the entrepreneur, because uh, I know JC that aside from coming on board to help becoming the chief marketing officer of Bitscuela, you you are also just like myself. You're a serial entrepreneur, and you have a business called Multiplier. What exactly is is that business called Multiplier? Yeah. So yeah, you're right. Um, Bitcoin is just one of my ventures. Um, but um, I'm I'm in the private equity space like you. I'm building startups, um, different companies as a serial entrepreneur. But Multiplier is basically a venture development studio, which we are about to launch this year formally. So you you heard it here first. At the RG Ledesma podcast, I've been saving this for quite a long time. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust proof stainless steel hardware, weather ready teak, and quick dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Actually, and, and what it is, is it's a family of agencies um, th that provide venture development services for serial entrepreneurs. So the idea here is that uh, for serial entrepreneurs who are building a lot of ventures, a lot of companies instead of talking to to multiple agencies or to multiple um to multiple point person per company that you have why not work with just one team with the right super team one point person to scale all of your companies which can offer marketing advertising community media buying all, all service providing um management services that you could think of and 
we've been growing our portfolio to date with uh, in, in ads, marketing, and, and, and other um, service management activities that we've done. We've, we've generated 10 figures in USD for client partners to date. Now, um, how, 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 how have we done it? It's just about finding the right talent. So for the past years, I've actually been building different manpower communities, um, social media marketing Philippines community. Now we're helping the freelancers in the Philippines community as well. Uh, we're tapping into a network of 1 million talented, highly global competitive Filipinos. That's why we can do it. And um, what the, the problem that, that I'm solving in that family of agencies is that the reason as to why startups fail or tech companies or any other companies fail, even though they have millions of dollars in funding, is that they don't have the right people to execute and get things done. And um, I'm foreseeing scarcity in the human resources side, not in the financial resources side. So that's why we're building that agency. So it's a family of agencies for serial entrepreneurs to build and scale their companies. So you're sort of like the one-stop shop exactly. that startups go to uh, when they want to massively market their company. Is that correct? Exactly. So you sort of fill, fill in the pain point saying, okay, you know what to do, but you need more people to adopt your 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 app or your startup or the use your product or services. They go to you. And that's it. That, that's basically what what multiplier does but you know I, if i look at it here right now it's it's a great idea but what makes you different i guess from uh let's say a traditional marketing agency also or an ad agency that does the same thing what makes it different for you is it basically your i guess better understand or you know a, a more intimate understanding of how marketing is done in this sort of new normal world yeah, um, it's not just about marketing. It's more of our intimate understanding to really build and develop ventures. So we, we approach marketing and advertising, not just in a marketing standpoint, but in a venture development standpoint. Um, so what, what's venture development? Actually, it's a really, really new niche. Um, I, I've only met one other venture developer here in the Philippines. Um, and um, what venture development is, is basically um, helping the founders on full stack operations, marketing, and and um, and 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 everything. So it, it touches everything really. So our focus is really maximizing revenue per square inch of the company. And who doesn't love that, of course? Exactly. And I guess we will we'll have to we'll go a bit more into this, this discussion. Um, can you redefine again for me venture development? What 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 role do you play in a company? If you are a venture developer, because we know what a venture capitalist is, that that's basically the, the money coming in. But what does a venture developer do? Do you, you somebody comes with you with an idea and you sort of say, okay, for the parts that are missing in that idea, uh, I'll fill in the blanks. Yeah, you, you actually nailed it. Um, if, if venture uh, venture development exists within the venture capital and the startup ecosystem, so think of it this way: um, there's a founder and then there's a venture capitalist. So the, the founder actually looks for funding, right? So they are looking for funding with the VCs. But in order to fill in the gaps, a venture developer exists to validate the business model to, to, make, to make sure that the founder is executing the, the proper go-to-market. So think of a venture developer as the right hand of, of the founder that, that, that they need to be able to scale everything because um, a venture developer um, is, is involved um, in the entire business business operation, but heavily in business development, marketing, and operations. But I simply see. put, my role is to um, is to build, help, and scale and develop startup ventures to enterprises. Got that. Now I'm very curious. How did you come across this pain point? Because this is, this is what I call an iterative process. Actually, it's not the first time when you say, "Okay, oh, I'm a venture developer." Yeah. How, what, what is the step? What is the step by step? It's a problem which pivoted to this problem, and I want to solve this problem. But eventually, I found that. But this was what had to be solved. And how did it eventually become? How did it, it finally consolidate to becoming multiplier as a venture developer? Yeah. So, so the problem that 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 I actually um, discovered initially. Oh. initially was it. It was a very intimidating number that ninety percent of startups actually fail. So I looked into it. Okay, what 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 then? If 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 ninety percent of startups fail, what then can make it successful? And I've learned that funding is the way to go. 
um, founders, of course, having the right people is also the way to go. But the thing is, when we look at it at scale, even when funded, the mortality rate of startups is still really, really high, around 40 to 60%. Mm-hmm. That's millions of, of USD when it comes to, uh, w- when it comes to, to funding, yet they still fail. Now, th- that got me curious. If, if they had the, the right funding, they had the right capital support, network support from, from big names, big venture capitalist firms, what then is missing? Manpower. And, 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 and what does the Philippines have? especially when it comes in the service-providing niche. Filipinos are known to be globally competitive when it, when it comes to talent, right? So that's when I looked into virtual assistants, RJ. So, mm, okay. um, so if there are BPOs, the biggest BPOs are in the Philippines, right? We're, we're, um, I mean, um, concentrics, stuff like that. Um, we're, we're basically servicing um, different clients abroad with Filipino talent. So that's where I found the gap. Okay, so if there are VAs, but uh, if there are VAs that are basically doing a lot of stuff for, for, for different international companies, meron bang ganun sa venture capital world? And that's where I discovered the term, venture developer. So instead of focusing on the, on the financial capital aspect, venture developers focus on the human capital. On the resources that, that can actually get the job done. And that's everything involving marketing, operations, business dev, building and scaling with the right people. So that's how I found it. And how did you get into that company in the first place? Because, you know, admittedly, um, from both Filipino culture standpoint and, and from doing business here, you're a relatively young man. They go, how can this person put together this business? Why will I open the door to him? And I, I'm sure that, you know, not to be condescending, yeah. but you even countered that on the way. So many times. So what, what, how do you initially convince people that, that this solution that you had would work where I have, I'm going to help venture build you by providing you by virtual assistance? Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a really valid question. Like, um, I don't blame entrepreneurs for asking me that, especially when they learn about how old I am. Um, I, I really, really had that struggle ever since I was 13, 14, because I started... Um, Offering my services when I was 12. Um, uh, I started offering my services when I was 12. In particular, I was offering my writing and marketing services then. Because uh, I, I started really, really young and early, RJ, when it comes to um, writing. I've been in, in, in journalism when I was young. As early as grade one, I, I was already in, in, uh, in the school press conferences. Uh, so that's when I learned news writing feature writing, and then I've, I've started to compete when I was in grade one, all the way through high school to college. I never actually stopped. And, mm-hmm. um, but, but, and by that time, um, it was during high school where, uh, where I, I, I was started to, being, to, to be flown in, in different countries in the Philippines just because I was competing. And then I was able to manage the, the school, school newspaper then. So that's where I, I learned other forms of writing, like feature writing, um, editorial writing, photojournalism. So that's where, where I that's where I got a lot of my marketing background on. Because um, in essence, the, for me, the difference between journalism and marketing is that journalism is telling a story in pursuit of the truth, while marketing is telling a story to convert, to sell products, right? Mm-hmm. So, so I, I found that I was able to transfer that. And by the time, by the time I was in high school, when I when I decided to offer my services to, um, to to, to different um to different uh companies and 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 they had to do that by that time because I wanted to help out at home you say um I, a lot of people don't know this but I don't actually come from a well uh, come from a well of family um so an anak palengke ako no I, I I was my my I'm I'm proud of this my mother and father probably anak palengke ka yes of course no and my mother and father um, dito sa Cuenca Public Market. Eh, they're, they're listening now, by the way. Oh, so, thank you. No, mga wife, papa, no? Pwede na magpakita dito, babati natin. So, ayun, no? Uh, and um, by the time I was 12, um, that's when I started, maybe, maybe, since I've been winning awards, how about offer ko kaya to sa iba? And I, I offered my writing and research services first to business clients, just um, sending different uh, you know, letter letters. Uh, hi, I'm 
yung pinipreet pa noon eh, right? And then uh-huh. I was also helping my my clients, uh, my, my 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 classmates in in when it comes to uh, like consulting like I, I was teaching them how to write essays. Mga ganun. Uh, small gigs, no, for small gigs for me. And then but by, by the time na by by the time I was um 13, 14, 15, that's when I learned to harness the power of social media. No, now no, okay, what I can do writing pala on on journalism on newspaper i can also do online and that's where it changed for me uh, by by the time by the time i was in in senior high school i've already been so, so non-profit ako nagsimula eh rj no my, my my thought process was um my, my thought process was i need to be able to build my results first before i can really charge premium um i, I have to build my results first because who in the right mind a business owner like you would trust a 15 year old Right for for marketing and scaling efforts, that was the challenge that, that I had. Because even though I had the results at that time, I was winning awards. Um, I I I had I had the right uh, case studies. Nobody wanted to trust me none. No. Um. So I had difficulty none. But then, uh, by the time I was uh by the time I was in senior high school, grade twelve, no, around, um, I think sixteen or seventeen. That's when the pandemic hit. And that was the, the, the turning point for me, RJ. Because when the pandemic hit, entrepreneurs were forced to look for other employment setups. Ah, okay. Right? So the pandemic was actually a, a boon to your business. Yeah. Okay. It was. So it leveled the playing ground for me. So so people can... It, it, when the pandemic happened, it suddenly it wasn't that crazy anymore. To hire a 16-year-old or 17-year-old to handle your social media campaigns, right? Because you had to continue business operations. And um, it leveled the playing ground for me to the point that I was able to reach out clients abroad. That's when I, I found out about virtual assistants. And for the past four years, ever since I was 16, I've been reaching out to the global market. So, ang, ang mindset ko nun, brother RJ, okay, kung hindi ako tanggapin dito sa Pilipinas as a service provider, if I can get clients here, try ko kaya abroad. So I, I reached out to real estate, um, re- real estate uh, companies, uh, realtors, e-commerce brands in, in the U.S., uh, Canada, and then I, I was able to close my first one. Um, so so they didn't care about my age. It was the pandemic. Then then by that time I was preparing already for six years. All my case studies, all my strategies, all the, so so I really knew what to do. I just really had to, to close my first client. Then after that, the next month, I got a referral. Then the next month, I got another referral. And it's been continuing for the past, for the past years until such time that last year, um, those international results, I was able to convert into national partnerships in the Philippines. So, so it, it was actually reversed for me. I first went international and then national. So yeah, the, the pandemic leveled the playing ground for me as a service provider. And um, that's when the opportunity, um, the opportunity came in because people were actually forced to look for other employment setups, and um, I call that uh, the power of social media. No, like sabay na lumilit at lumalawak yung mundo. Because if your services are not valued in your current market, then look for another marketplace. Mm-hmm. We can access the global marketplace anyway. So, so, so that's so that's the story of my of my career, basically. When, how, when point did it come for you, JC? I'm sure that, um, you know, it's, you know, there's some points that there are always, as an entrepreneur, there are many successes, there are successes and failures in the business. But I want to ask you, was there any particular time when you were doing, you were growing, growing the business that you felt that, you know, I, I want to give up. It's, it's not going to work. Uh, sometimes when you share those stories, sometimes it inspires the other entrepreneurs also yeah. who go through the process. When did, when did it happen for you? Yeah, I think it happened to me. 2021, yeah, end of 2021, because um, because by that time, um, suddenly like ease into F2F, ng yes, yes, no? yes, yes, So um, a lot of uh, um, some of our clients actually wanted to uh, pause the retainers. No? So it, it was a challenge for me then to prove that we really had value versus face-to-face setups. No, uh, now, now we found the formula because we're still in business right now. But by by then. My God, it was so, let's just say, disempowering. No, na parang you're, you're, you're losing clients due to market sentiment. 
and then and th- and then you really want to scale. You had these numbers planned out, your your roadmap planned out, and then suddenly that happens. So um, th- that was definitely one of my uh, one of my moments of weakness. Now, parang oh, it, 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 is this the right thing for me? Like, because because uh, before that, um, I, I was really sure that we we understood what we what, what we were. Because this venture development side, I only discovered lately. I think that's when I discovered venture development side after I almost quit. Because I had to find out. I was actually challenged. I had to find out. Okay, ano ba talagang offer? What can I really, really offer? Because I knew it wasn't just marketing. I knew it wasn't just virtual assistant. Because I'm also building different companies under my belt. So I had to find a way to cut through the noise and and help customers understand. That why we're good at what we do. It's simply because yun pala RJ, I'm I'm not just offering virtual assistant services to clients abroad. Eh. What I'm offering pala is venture development services, and those are two different things. So I almost quit, but I found the 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 factor, and that factor has helped uh, has helped us work with you know dream clients, you know, mentors, and of course partners that we have now. In other words, you had to find another. You were solving other pain point that existed. As a result of uh, the adjustment in the new normal, like for me in any business, I mean, you you establish a certain equilibrium because of the pandemic, and it worked already in the pandemic. But then, as we exit now, bagong equilibrium, bagong sort of challenges, and that's where you the pain points that you realize that you realize something else about the business where it has to uh, evolve towards. Now, having said that, when did you feel it was the point when you're looking at the business where you said? My God, it's going to succeed. We're going to make it. What what point was that that you felt? I can't believe it. It's it's like this right now. That that milestone, <laughs> you feel that you you've achieved something. Yeah. Um. I I I can't forget that moment because um I actually had to choose between business and school. No. Um. Because because I I I well, I got into my dream school. Um. UP Diliman Materials Engineering. No. And um. I think. A few weeks in uh, was when I closed my first international client. So I tried to balance it out, RJ. My God, <laughs> it, it was driving me nuts. No, um, like there was too much work to do, too much, um, too much subjects to study. So I had to make a choice. So my design thinking process was, okay, my God, it's becoming really, really profitable. Client referrals are kicking in, but they have to choose. Because by that time, I mean, I was 16, 17. So, that was um, my first, um, first four-figure dollar retainer came in. And imagine, I was 16, 17. That, was, that money was life-changing for me. No? Um, so so th- that was the time that, that I said, I told myself, I have to choose if, um, what, what I really want. Because your mindset there um, was, okay, why am I studying? Why, why, why am I studying? Um, it's to get a job, hopefully soon, right? And why do I want to get a job? I want to get a job because I want to earn money. But the earn money is already being shoved into my face right now. No? So, so I had to make a choice. No? And, and, and the, uh, I, I chose clearly. No? So the mindset ko was as long as I have the humility to become a 23-year-old or 24-year-old freshman, then I'll be fine. No? And, and, and I chose that path ever since. So it was a time, no, na um, naging profitable na siya bigla. No, you know, RJ, the interesting about inter- entrepreneurship for me is that um, uh, the most interesting part is that it's 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 a game of consistency. Like success, overnight success happens slowly and then all at once. Eh. Uh, that's a tricky part. Eh. Once you find product, yeah, there's, market, a certain, there's a certain, it's like a hockey stick. Yeah, exactly. No, so. It, it that that moment was it for me when, when number one I found I tapped I was able to successfully tap into the global marketplace and built them results and then the referrals came kicking in. Now after that was done, um, I, I guess the next question is, what's what's next after you hit as, as a venture developer? We know okay you you want to be that one stop shop venture development agency for companies, but what's the scale model for this one? How exactly will you grow it? Yeah. So how how we grow it is um basically we're we're targeting three partnerships, um num- uh, three three important ecosystem partners. Number one, of course, partnership with 
uh, venture capitalist firms. So uh, the, the dream goal here, RJ, is to be able to partner with a VC firm and then all, all of the companies that they incubate or 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 infuse funding in, we, we are their chosen service providers for scaling. No? Um, that's that's the no-brainer one. The second part is uh, we, we're working with uh, we're working with a portfolio of um, of accelerators. So uh, again, the, the people that they accelerate, the people that the companies that they give funding, we're the ones to help them. And of course, um, the third one, the norm, the, the normal, I guess, partnerships, B two B partnerships, where we talk with um, startups or enterprises, because in in essence, it's still a boutique agency. Like we still tailor fit every service we provide depending on where they are. So those three ecosystem partners are how we scale everything. If there are people here right now listening. Um... Who want to, I guess, use your services? Who, uh, help, help them better understand who are you looking for that you can bet best serve? Okay, there's a new startup coming up. They don't know. Okay, I'm going to go to you, but I, I have no money. I'm just starting off. Or is he a potential influencer? Well, who are the clients who are ideal for Multiplier? Yeah, we have three target um, target clients, actually. Uh, first one, a no-brainer. We, we want to work with serial entrepreneurs, people who are building and managing their own portfolio of companies. So instead of just instead of for example, if you if you're building six companies right now, instead of um, six different service providers for 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 each of your companies, why not just one? No, uh, a, a company with results that has worked with the biggest brands as well. Um, second one is um, uh, where of course um, uh, venture um, as funded startup founders, uh, people with the right direction, purpose, grit. Because that's what we look for when it comes to working with founders. We don't just work with anyone that's funded. We, we still check if they're culture fit with, with, with what we do. And um, th- those people who, who know what they want, who, who, who know the results that they want, uh, that's, um, that, that's the people that we can really work with. And the third one is, of course, creators or, or community builders, people who want to build their own personal brands because ultimately that's an ecosystem play. No? So those three. Wow. So um, just in case they, they want to become part of your, uh, uh, if they want to employ the services or work together with, with you with you guys, how do they get in touch with you? Yeah, um, to get in touch with me, um, uh, my Twitter's here, at Venture Developer. I am at Venture Developer and everything. No, RJ, the moment I found out that I was a Venture Developer, my God, I changed all my names in all of my <laughs> social media platforms. No. Because it's a really new niche. So ako pala yung nakakuha no domain tag na yan. No? But uh, via email, um, hello at jcmakalintal.com. So you can reach me there. Got that. Now again, same question I asked you earlier on from Bitcoin, but this time from the multiplier, uh, wearing the multiplier hat. No? What are you seeing as emerging business opportunities particularly, I guess, not just in the startup founding world? No? I mean, maybe there's some business that you're seeing, oh, this is really great, but also in your world, in the multiplier world of, of building businesses, what are the in that ecosystem can people still enter into that they can grow their business or, or become somebody that, 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 that there's a niche that they can still uh, that they can still enter into and grow? Yeah, um, my answer would be the same. Eh? It's still also about content and community, um, e-commerce, and um, tech or Web3 companies because that's usually the, the clients that we serve. Um, so we serve the biggest personal brands as well in the Philippines when it comes to content management and and community management services. Uh, but um, the answer is the same. Eh? Like um, those trends, um, the the trends that are happening in Web three are also the same trends that are happening in the multiplayer ecosystem. Got that. Got that. You know, it's been a really interesting discussion. I didn't realize that we're almost an hour long. Yeah. Such <laughs> a broad range of topics. I mean, uh, I'm I'm truly amazed by your story. Hold on. You can open the gift. Sorry, my son comes by to open his hair. So, Hi. The guest is show. But, um, before, I, I just realized, before I wanted to close up, where did that entrepreneurial spirit come from for you? Because you said you've been working since you were 12 years old. Yeah. And you know, at 12 years old, you know, my, my kids are concerned about doing their you know, taekwondo class or their grades, but you were concerned there. Was it because uh, your parents, you saw from the example of your parents who were working hard, that you develop your own entrepreneurial spirit and grit. Where did it come from? Yeah, um, this is a core memory for me that, that I also shared in my first 
uh, podcast sharing my story and i i found that i i was born for that entrepreneurial spirit when i was in elementary school just like what what i mentioned to you rj like i've been writing all my life i've been telling stories mm-hmm. all my life and when you get into writing um as a grade one kid you get exposed to writing a pen like writing with a pen because usually it's pencil right grades one through four it's a pencil mm-hmm. but when you're in journalism you actually have to write with a ball pen so I thought that wasn't an advantage for me, but when the time I got into grade four, where where my classmates suddenly pivoted from writing from a pen till to a pen, um, by that time I already knew what ball pens were were comfortable to use uh, as a kid, no. And the magical moment for me, RJ, was I remember my my classmates were borrowing my pens from me because. Uh, they, they knew I had the best pens because I used them for competition, you know. Uh, and, and then, oh. kasi hiram sila ng hiram, no? So, so uh, suddenly, I blurted it out. Sige na, bayaran mo ko. You can use this. 20 pesos. I bought the pen for 7 pesos. They bought it. 20 pesos. And then, the same thing happened. So, okay. Um, nalaman ng mga klasiko that, that I'm selling, uh, that, that, that I'm selling uh, ball pens. And then, they, they bought I came home that day with 100 pesos that I showed to my mom. And she was very surprised. I was like, oh, it's <laughs> you, You'll be scared too, right? But um, that day, RJ, I, I realized that I, learned, I knew how to sell. And that to me was the turning point. So it, it actually came through with that 100 pesos. I went back into the palenque, yung tindahan sa palenque ng mga ball pen. I shopped for better pens. Then I sold it again at the same markup. I was able to sell them at 25 to 30. And then by the time I was in grade six, uh, grade five rather, a year from then, I was called in, in the principal's office. Uh, my mom was called to the principal's office. Um, and, and, and the point is, <laughs> the, the point was, they were actually revising the student handbook that students weren't allowed to sell anymore. In the school vicinities, because I was I was out selling the school's bookshop. <laughs> Nobody was buying pens from them. So from then I learned that I knew how to sell, and and the the, the lacking factor to me that's why I'm heavily invested in human capital right now. RJ is that I really wanted to build businesses ever since when I was in high school, but I had no capital then. What I only had was my pen, my skills, my services. Mm-hmm. So that's how I fell in love with the idea of supplying the best of the best human capital in the different service providing management services abroad in the global marketplace. So it started with a pen, and I've been writing ever since. Really great story, Jason. I can, uh, JC, and I can uh, commiserate with you there because you know, for me, writing was also one of my core skills that I used. And you know, people don't know that I'm, I'm a, I was a humor writer many years ago. That I have several books, but that's. For me, writing is my first love, and I was able to translate the skill sets I gained from oh. writing into editing, into producing, right. into acting, even into business. It, it's a way of thinking. It's really all going back. I'm a creative nonfictionist, so it all goes back to the ability to tell stories. No? And maybe next time around, we can have another chat with other people to tell more about the importance of great storytelling. Now, as we close up this discussion, JC, you've learned a lot. Like you said, you've been, you've been hustling since you were grade, grade four, grade five. But then what are the key, I guess, management hacks or things that you want to share with people here right now when it comes to starting and growing the business that you want to share with the aspiring entrepreneurs who are listening to our podcast? Yeah, management hacks, to me, scaling is all about systems. Um, Entrepreneurs have to realize that uh, we don't rise to the levels of our goals. We we fall to the levels of our systems. uh, and, And that's what creates that consistency, that calmness, especially when you're building lots of, of companies? You have to have structure. Otherwise, you Like if, if, you're, if you're managing a lot of companies at once, managing a lot of teams at once, you don't have structure systems. You're, you're going to make it, but at the cost of your health. You know? So um, to me, the management hack is building systems around it, build workflows, systems of operations. Say, for example, in what we do in our agencies, we have a five-step process, no? so, so which everybody knows. 
so that at any level of the engagement, um, somebody can just step in and, and basically interact, no, uh, with 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 um with um with with the clients that we're, that we're servicing. So, um, it's about building systems, systems of operations, and making sure that you have the right people in your companies, because ultimately it all falls, boils down to that, you know. Um, one of my mentors before, say Sir Fa, he said, "No, with the right people, nothing else matters." And and I still believe that, you know, because you, you have to find you, you don't you just you're it's not enough that you build systems. You have to find the right people who can execute those systems for you, because what you want ultimately is a boarding company, because boarding is good. Yeah. RJ, boarding is good. Boarding right? is good. Yes. So um, what we want is an extraordinary company that can be run by ordinary people. And how do you do that? Systems. Fantastic. Really great story to tell here, JC. Again, for those who want to find out more about Web3 and get a free education or follow with the educational advocacy of Pitsquela, you can visit www.pitsquela.com. And for those of you who might be interested to use JC's Venture Developer Services, again, JC, can you please mention uh, your contact information? Yep, um, you can contact me here um, at Venture Developer on all social media platforms, but uh, preferably email at hello at jcmacalindal.com. Okay, thanks so much, JC. Again, thanks everybody for listening in to the RG Test podcast. We'll see you guys for the next podcast. Again, thanks guys. Have a great evening. JC, Thank hang around. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia, the hosts of the program, or other programs of the network. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. 